Let us pray. Thank you, Father, once again for the day that you've given, for the fellowship that we've had in the house so far, for the opportunity of worshiping you, and for looking into your word. Help us, guide and direct us. Direct us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We come now to verse 2 of 1 John 4. It says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. The word confess here is the same word that we find in the first chapter of John, where it says in verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to give us, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This word confess is made up of two Greek words. One is homo, which means the same, which you see in the perversion of uh, sexual uh, orientations today when they talk about homosexuals. Same sex is what the, the homo part in that. But this that's one part. And then the other part is logos. Logos, if you remember, is the word uh, for word. You know, in John 1, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, you have, in the beginning was the Lagos, and the Lagos was with God, and the Lagos was God. And then we uh, saw that in the first verse of 1 John. Where it said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the Lagos of life, the word of life. So, uh, but then you take this word together, which is homo, uh, homologio, which means to say the same thing. It is a uh, used to for assent that you're assenting to something that is you're acknowledging or uh, giving your consent to a covenant, as it were, and uh, it's used a few times throughout the scriptures. Uh, we won't look at all of the places. But we'll look at a few of them. 
where it uh, talks about uh, how this word is so uh, can, we can see how this word is used. Uh, first of all, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And then, verse 23, And then will I profess unto them that I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. It's, uh, I think it's the word profess there. I didn't... Uh, uh, yes, profess is the word there. In a word, I'm, uh, I'm confessing. I'm making that profession. In the 10th chapter of Matthew... In verse 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. You see that it's used uh, two times there. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Verse 22. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. And then in chapter 12 of John, verse 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on Him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. So you see that how it's used in some other places. We'll go on into 1 John now in uh, chapter 2 of 1 John in verse 23. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son uh, hath the Father also. And then you see it in the verse where we have here and then in the 15th verse of first John four, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And then in second John uh, verse seven, for many deceivers are entered into the world, but uh, in, into the world who confess not that Jesus is come in the flesh, this is a deceiver and antichrist. Now we have to realize that anybody can say those words. But it's one thing, to, uh, the idea of confessing is to 
agree with the re- with the truth of what it's all about. Sometimes some of the devils, when the Lord was here, they confessed that He was the Son of God and things of that nature. But they really did not trust in Him and have faith in Him like one that is a child of grace. And another thing that uh, was prevalent in, in John's day were people that did not believe that Jesus actually had a human body. And so they said he kind of had a phantom body. In fact, I'll go ahead and read a uh, statement here that I got from Jamison Fawcett and Brown commentary on the statement, Jesus is come in the flesh. They said a truth, a twofold truth confessed that Jesus is the Christ. In other words, that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, the Jews don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, the the Mohammedans don't, and things of that nature. So people, people that do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, they're not born of God. They are the spirit of Antichrist. That's what he's saying here. Notice, hereby know the spirit. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit or every preacher, we would say, that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit, or we could even say every one, really, that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come and even and even now already is it in the world and we who have uh, lived a few years upon this earth uh, we can testify that in our own nation that people as a whole uh, have changed in their regard to Jesus Christ and who He is. Just just people in general uh, don't even uh, believe so. And uh, as you've heard me say that uh, someone mentioned to me not too, not too long ago that they didn't, they didn't want to have anything to do with my so-called mystical God. Well, that's what they think about God and the, and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what people that are caught up in this world, uh, that, that's what they think, that uh, Jesus wasn't a real person, just a, a fig, just a, somebody's imagination and some, someone's fancy, and uh, He's really not the Messiah. Uh, I have a conversation 
about once a month with a man uh, that is a, a Jew. And uh, uh, we're all the time talking about the Scriptures. And uh, he, just about every time I, I see him, he's got a question to ask me about the Bible to one degree or the other. And, and I've told him uh, on more than one occasion uh, that I'm praying that God would bless him to see that Jesus is the Messiah. And, uh, and most of the time when he asks me a question, uh, I'll try to answer with a verse that is in the Old Testament uh, and show that I'm not just prejudiced to the New Testament because as a Jew, he's supposed to believe the Old Testament. But it's amazing how many times when I do that, he'll say something like, well, I've read the Old Testament, but I didn't know that was in the Bible. Well, I didn't know that was in the Bible. And so uh, last month when we were talking, I said, you need to get you a Hebrew Bible to, and read it. You need to read your Hebrew Bible again and be reading it more. Uh, I, I assumed that he had one. I just said, you need to be reading your Hebrew Bible. And what he said, he said, well, uh, I really don't have one. I guess I need to get me one. And so uh, I don't know how long ago it was that he read it. But, but my point is, here he is, a professed Jew, and he doesn't even have the Old Testament Scriptures. And what he's read, he doesn't even remember and doesn't know uh, a lot of the stuff that just uh, to me, just plain in, in the Old Testament, I thought anybody would know that knew anything about the Scriptures. And I'm not, I'm not belittling the man. I don't mean, I don't mean to do that. It's just that just shows where we are. That's where we are. And and I would consider him a friend. And I would consider that if I needed something in the middle of the night and called him up, he'd probably come and, to, uh, probably come and help me. But if I'm going to believe the Scriptures, if he doesn't confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, he's not of God. He's not of God. That's the reality of the scriptures, and people say, "Well, well, he's you know he, he he might not know what you know and this and that, but uh, uh, you know I I really like him, and and so I, I believe he's one of the lords." And we don't have the right to say that as much as we would like to. We don't have the right. We either believe the Word of God for what it says. At running the risk of beating a dead horse, I'll say it again, we either interpret it uh, grammatically, historically, literally, or we have to make up something and change the Word of God. And if I change the Word of God, I'm a false prophet. Well, I didn't even get through the first sentence, did I? Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. I'm quoting from Jameson Fawcett Brown again. A twofold truth confessed that Jesus is the Christ. That's one. 
that He is come. He is come. The fact that where it talks about is come in the flesh, the come is a perfect active participle. What that means is that it's not just a historical fact that He's come in the past, but that it is also a present continuance of the fact and its blessed effects. Jesus Christ came to this earth. A real being possessed a human body just like ours with one exception. His body did not have sin. We do. That Jesus is the Christ and He has come in the flesh. He has come in the flesh. He didn't just appear to be humanity as the Docetes taught. He died for us. He died for us in the flesh. Look at Hebrews 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Verses 9 and 10 first. For it became Him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both He that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Look at verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's you and me, He, Christ, also Himself likewise took part of the same, that through death He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily He took not on Him the nature of angels, but He took on Him the seed of Abraham. Christ was not just an angelic being. He passed by the nature of angels. He became a man. 
and died for our sins. These things are to be confessed. These things are to be believed not just in the head, but believed in the very essence of our being. In the very essence of our being. What is it our Lord said? Greater love hath no man than he do what? Lay down his life for his friends. He took upon him the seed of Abraham. He became flesh and blood just like us. He was our friend. He laid down His life for us. <laughs> Jameson Fawcett Brown quoting again from it, to deny the reality of His flesh is to deny His love and so cast away the root which produces all true love on the believer's part. And then it gives 1 John 4 verses 9 through 11 and 19. I don't know why I gave 19. I must have typed in something wrong because... Uh, there's no 19th verse in the 4th chapter of John. But let's read 9 through 11. Wait a minute. I'm looking at chapter 2 of Hebrews. Let me go back to 1 John. Yeah, 1 John 4. Yeah, 9 through 11. Notice. In this was manifest, manifested the love of God toward us, how did God make His known His love known to us? Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And then the classic verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. Jameson Fawcett Brown went on to say, Rome, that's the Roman Catholics, Rome by the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Mary denies Christ's proper humanity. And that's true. See, they say that Mary had uh, had to be sinless. See, the immaculate conception of the Virgin Mary is that she was 
she was conceived without sin. Not that Christ was conceived without sin, but that she was. And they believed that she was not a sinner. Well, uh, Christ came into the world through Mary, who was a sinner. She needed a Savior just like you and I do. But this is confessing that Christ came in the flesh. He was born of God. You'll say more about it in the fifth chapter of 1 John where it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth Him that begat loveth Him also that is begotten of Him. You see, you can't get around what Jesus said to the Pharisees unless you believe that I am He you shall die in your sins. And that's not just believing. How shall I put it? it not, it's, it's not just believing a doctrine that Jesus is the Christ. But it's believing that Jesus is the Christ. You say, what are you saying here? Someone could have made up a story that Jesus is the Christ and it not be so, but build a doctrine on that statement and believe that doctrine without ever believing that there was an actual Jesus. You see what I'm saying? In other words, it's not just a story that you're believing. It's not just a doctrine or a confession that you're believing. It's the truth that you're believing. And often today, the way many preachers preach... They're not being honest. I've got it written down somewhere at home where I'd be sure to find it, but I can't find it. <laughs> but back in the 70s, now that's 50 years ago. You know, when I think of something back in the 70s, I think, oh, well, that's just a couple of, you know, just a few years ago. But uh, uh, my neighbor was over at my house uh, oh, maybe a month or so ago. was talking about something, and I said something about something back in the 70s. He said 50 years ago. I said, no, it wasn't that long. It was just... Then I got to thinking, yeah, it is 50 years ago. 50 years ago, I read, I believe it was in... Moody Monthly. It might have been in Christianity Today. 
At that time, I was taking both of those magazines, uh, for better or for worse, but uh, I won't go into all of that, but I was taking both of them. But I believe it was in one of those magazines that a survey, there was a report about a survey that was given with the majority of the preachers at that time And the questions were asked something along this line. Do you believe that Adam and Eve were in the garden? Most, about all of them said yes. Do you believe that Jesus uh, was the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe in the resurrection of Christ? Yes. But then they reworded the questions. Do you believe that Adam and Eve were real human beings that lived historically in the Garden of Eden and the majority of the preachers said no? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary in a real body, real human body, and many of them said no. Do you believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ as literal as George Washington was the president of the first president of the United States, the majority of them said no. You see, they believed in the concept, but they didn't believe in the reality. They believed in the abstract, but not in the concrete. Well, if that was the result of the survey then, what do you think it is now? I'm all time hearing surveys and the results given, and usually this news source that I get, uh, they give it so fast that I uh, don't have time to remember it all, and <laughs> and then they may give the research of of uh, uh, one institute today and another institute tomorrow and a different institute the next day. But I can say this, from the generalization of, of surveys of modern so-called evangelical Christians today, if I remember correctly, only about 30% of the population go to church. 
And it's something like 5% that give much reading to the Bible. In other words, people really don't believe anything except what they think. They're not really confessing. They confess to an abstract. They confess to an idea. But they have no concept of the reality of the situation. This is what John was talking about. See, the people in John's day, they were not denying that Jesus... uh, They were not denying uh, a Jesus... They were not denying a Jesus Christ. They were denying that He had a human body. And there's all different uh, There were all different kinds of those folks back then as well. But you, 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 it's imp- who Jesus Christ is, is important. I doubt that you remember, but uh, several years ago, probably close to 20 years ago now, uh, I preached a series of sermons on who is God. Probably a series needs to be preached on who is Christ. But Jesus Christ came. The second person of the Trinity took upon Himself a human body. He came. He came in the flesh. He had a real human body. Another thing, He is Lord. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And eventually, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's, there's many other things that could be involved around the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the the common teaching is that Christ died for sin. Christ died for the for sinners. And whosoever believes in him will be saved. 
Now, both of those statements are true. But it presents a falsehood. You say, what do you mean? The idea is that Jesus Christ died for anybody who will believe. And that is true. He did die for anybody who will believe. But that's not all. Jesus Christ died for His people. For the elect. He didn't just die a death for sin and leave it up to just anybody if they want to, to believe. But that's the way that it's presented. Now I believe those who for whom He died uh, believe in Him. Scripture indicates that. But Christ just didn't die for sinners. He died for the elect. He died for His people. He died for the sheep. He didn't die for the goats. And then it's left up to the believer no, He died for His people. And, it, and the only ones that will believe are His people. But you can see how it's presented taking two statements or two parts and putting them together as if it represents the whole of the picture, which is not true. And to teach contrary to the truth of Jesus Christ and what He come to do is the spirit of Antichrist. You say, well, so you're saying that every preacher doesn't preach like you is an Antichrist? I'm not saying that. Only God can make the final distinction of individuals. I'm saying what the doctrines are. You see, God didn't call me to try to find uh, exactly who is and who's not a child of God. I leave that up to the Lord. But I can't get around what the Scriptures say. Now, we won't get to that this afternoon. But verses 4 and 5 and 6 make it plain that God's children will not be caught up in Antichrist doctrine.
That needs to sink in. That needs to sink in. But every, every spirit or every... Uh, though the context has to do with teachers and preachers and so on, prophets, we can make the application to any individual that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, this is that spirit of Antichrist. Notice spirit is in italics, and I don't have any problem with it. But we could read it, and this is that of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Antichrist was in the world then, Antichrist is now, Antichrist will be here till the Lord returns. And I believe that it will be, as I said this morning, I believe there will be a particular being that will be designated as Antichrist and or a false prophet prior to the coming of the Lord. It's imperative that we know. It's imperative that we know. If Jesus said, not if, since Jesus said in Matthew 24 about the false prophets, if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. Well, it's not possible. So how is it we're not going to be deceived? It's by studying the Scriptures. So what does that say about folks that don't study the Scriptures and read the Scriptures and know the Scriptures? You see, all of this stands or falls together. It's not one thing over here. It's not that, well, we ought to read and study the Bible so that we won't be deceived. Now Christ said that the the elect won't be deceived, so therefore if not being deceived is knowing the truth of the scriptures, then evidently the elect are going to be studying the scriptures. Now I know that uh we need to be careful in using logic to pit one scripture against another scripture. But it stands to reason, does it not? that somehow they're all interconnected. If I believe for anybody that knows me, there's one thing they know about me, and that is I have continually encouraged people that hear me preach to study the Bible. Study the Bible. Know the Bible. See if what I'm saying is true or not. According to what the Bible says. Well,
Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. So he's talking about when the Lord returns and we, are, we meet Him in the air. That you be not soon shaken in mind nor be troubled, neither by spirit nor by the word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That's got to happen first. Whatever the man of sin is, whatever the son of perdition is, he has to be revealed, made known to God's people. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? Now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, what we find here, there are some things we don't know, but this much we do know, that before the Lord returns, that man of sin there could be a falling away first. The man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. That's going to happen before He comes. And yet the mystery of that iniquity was already in force in Paul's day. According to verse 7. Well, that's what John was saying. There's going to be an Antichrist, but Antichrist is already here. Isn't that what, isn't that what John was saying in his first epistle? In chapter 2 and here again in chapter 4? Is that not what it's we got a glimpse of when we read in Revelation what it sounded like, the same thing? You say, well, how are we going to know? I keep beating the same drum. Know the Word. Know the Word. Study the Word. Ask God to bless you as you study the Word.
Let's pray. My Father, I admit that there's a whole lot more in these verses than what I have brought out. But I do pray that whoever hear these messages, if they get nothing else out of it, that they would be convicted of the importance and the seriousness and the the essentialness of reading and studying and knowing the Word of God for what it says. And to have enough gumption, common sense, where there are parables and metaphors that are just so obvious. And know that it's all real. It's not just believing these doctrines in the abstract. but in the concrete. I don't know how to say it any better, Father. I pray that You would apply it to the hearts and minds of those who hear. In Jesus' name, Amen.